Welcome to Artists of New England. This is a podcast created to inspire you on your journey of artistic expression. Whether you are a career artist, a teacher, an emerging artist, or hobbyist, you can learn and gain support from your peers. We will explore the symbiotic relationship between these groups, lending insight and empathy towards each other. We will discover the where, when, why, and how of the creative process of artists living and working in New England, with occasional bonus interviews with gallery owners, collectors of fine art, and art historians. Perhaps today's show will bring you the aha moment you've been waiting for. Welcome to Artists of New England with your host, Laura Kastneri-King. Today, I am so delighted to have Margaret Sheldon with us from Milton, Mass., and also the co-host of Artists Helping Artists. How are you, Margaret? I'm great. I'm, I'm remembering that I need to make sure my phone is turned off. <laughs> yeah, as I said, I've done this. I know how it can go wrong. Uh, I'm great. It's, you know, we, I always start with weather with, with my show, so let's start with, yeah. God, it's a beautiful day in New England, isn't it? It really is. Are you going to get out and paint today? Um, that's a very good question. I'm probably going to get in and paint today. Okay. <laughs> I'm, meeting, I'm meeting a friend for lunch. This is my oh, birthday wow. month. And so, oh, uh, yeah, so I'm meeting a friend for lunch and it's terrible when you make the plan and you say, well, let's meet at noon thinking to yourself, because then I can get into the studio by 1.30. <laughs> it's been a busy week. It's been a really busy week. I did something I've never done before, oh. which is, yeah, you know, things hit you over the head. It's finally time. I knew I needed some new um, photographs. I needed some images for my website, for you know, the little image of yourself on your Instagram, all of that. Yeah. And I was camera, uh, I want not even camera shy, camera averse person. I love taking photographs. I do not want to be in them. Yeah. I've just never enjoyed it. Well, I hired a photographer, actually, um, I'll digress and tell you, she, she did both of my daughter's weddings and I really liked her as a person. Yeah. And I've spent a lot of COVID thinking if I have to do something, let me find someone who's probably suffering <laughs> during this quarantine. Sure, sure. And let me tell you, wedding photographers are really taking it on the chin. So I called her up and I said, I want some shots of my studio. I just need a couple of headshots. And for some reason, she's tapped into opera singers in New York. So I saw all of these beautiful headshots. I know. You said that. <laughs> know, right? And I thought, oh, this will be great. Turned yeah. out she was a former opera singer herself. Oh. So she came into the studio, and I am here to raise my hand and say a good photographer can make you forget that you're looking at a lens. <sighs> and I actually enjoyed it. But as much as I enjoyed it, that erased probably two whole days from my painting practice. One was getting my studio, my studio to look, you know, <laughs> kind of like, it's like cleaning up for company, right? Yes. And the other was sort of getting ready. You know, I don't usually, when I'm going into the studio, worry about, you know, whether or not my skin looks good or whatever. So I did all of that, but I had a great time. So <clears throat> now that I've said that, people are going to look and go, well, these images. <laughs> They're terrible. What is she talking about? Oh, well, blame the subject, not the photographer, because nice. 
That was the way that went. So yeah, today I will paint, but it will be this afternoon. Yeah. Wow. Wonderful. I have to ask about your ceiling. What's going on up there? Because I've seen it actually in other photos and it's amazing. Oh, have you? Okay. I'll give, you a, I'll give you a little tip. I'm yeah. going to show you. We'll describe it to everyone. Yeah. Look at that. Oh, it's this is my This is my home studio. Oh my goodness. That's beautiful. And <gasps> you can sort of see. Yeah. See that big old easel? Yes. <clears throat> Let's just say that they were being thrown out when I was an undergraduate. Oh. You know, I have a BFA. I have a BFA in painting, and when they were being thrown out, I decided I could give that a good home. Oh, and nice. it's got to be. I would guess, looking at the hardware, sixty years old. But the room, when we bought this house, this room was a winterized, and you have to use air quotes on that one <laughs> because it's got one you know, new, good old New England, one big radiator over by the door. Oh, yeah. And rest of it, uh, we, we, do we replace these windows? I don't think so. But these are, they're not even double insulated windows. So it gets chilly in here. Yeah, sure. You know, a sleeping porch was what it was. And in the old okay. days, yeah. it would be the cool place to sleep. Well, let me tell you, there have been <laughs> many a winter's day where I've had a little space heater going and squeezing the paint out of my cold... Uh tubes yeah. is tough but um when we bought the house we we knew i was going to use this room as sort of a studio office and what we decided i decided was that i wanted to paint it in an interesting way and little did i know our contractor had a brother who was an artist who painted restaurants oh. and he would tell the restaurants like he had painted you know grottos in yeah <laughs> and i said to him i want to turn my studio ceiling because you can see laura it has some slopes on either side and then it's got sort of gable end it's got a very high ceiling and i said to him i want it to kind of look like i'm in a greenhouse yeah can you do that and he was like sure yeah. and i just let him go i thought have at it and this is what he did beautiful and I over in the corner he yeah, did I paint. saw a picture. Maybe it was on your Instagram, so people could. I might have. I might have showed the room empty. Yeah, yeah. And then my daughter was on my Pilates machine, so <laughs> it could have been either one. You know, when it's your office slash studio, it also becomes the place for your Pilates machine and whatever. But it's my favorite room. Well, yeah, it is my favorite room in the house because, I mean, if as beautiful as the outs the inside is the outside oh it's like the most glorious view down yeah. we have a big hill behind us down the hill you can on the right days you can see a little bit of the blue hills way in the distance wow. and i almost this year i have watched the seasons change yeah. and i swear to you my paintings have reflected it yeah. they've been very green all summer long green has like overwhelmed me and yeah, but it's a great place. Thank you for noticing. Yeah, really beautiful. So have you always been a New Englander? Absolutely not. <laughs> I, still I still don't identify really as the New Englander. <laughs> I live, you know, in, well, I always say I live in Boston because Boston is two blocks down the road and people can identify with that. Yeah. But I grew up, I am a hardcore New York City girl. Okay. I grew up in the Bronx. My grandmother lived in the West Village. Oh. Uh, yeah, no, I think of myself as a New Yorker. There's certain parts of New York that you can never yeah. take out of a native. 
One thing is, you should know this, it's kind of a fun fact. Before the internet, this made more sense, but a New Yorker will always get online. And the rest of the country seems to get in line. So for movie tickets, I would say to my husband, well, you get online and I'll get the ticket, you know, or, and now it, of course, is warped, but that was always, I heard someone say it just recently, and I said, you're from New York. They got it. Yeah, that's our regionalism. Forget the rest of the regionalisms. I think too many of them are four letters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. So what brought you to Boston, the Boston area? <clears throat> oh, gosh, isn't it always a man? Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> You know what? My husband would love hearing that to think that he brought me here. Yeah. No, I, um, well, it's a long story, but I had, I guess it's a, a long story with a fast finish. You know, I went to school at uh, St. John's University and, and I, I got a BFA in painting. Okay. Um, and it was my senior year when just, you know, fear gripped my heart because I thought, well, how am I going to pay my bills? And I always say I didn't have, uh, my favorite line to use is that I didn't have anyone in front of me to show me mm-hmm. how to make a life as an artist. Like I didn't really know that was possible without teaching. You know, I, and unlike a lot of people who went to school in the late seventies and early eighties, um, I just didn't have anyone that was like a professional artist around me. The one thing I knew was that I did not want to teach. And I was really clear on that. A lot of, you know, I had, I went to school with some fabulous, fabulous painters. And anyone who, who wants to know why you should go to art school, I always say it's because you can learn so much from the others around you. And, you know, I think we all benefited from that in those years. I mean, we had great professors. We did not have the horror stories. Um, There was no abstract expressionists in those days, like not not where I was. Uh And as a result, I sort of stumbled and thought, well, you know, I I would say I wanted it to start with a vowel. I wanted to be, I didn't think about being an artist. I thought about being like, should I go to medical school, should I be a doctor, an accountant, like something that had a name. So I decided I could be an architect and that would be good. Okay. Uh, so I quickly, like probably two days before the deadline, I applied to RISD. Okay, yeah. And um, I was accepted, so I had a plan. And I landed in Providence and found out I loved it. Mm-hmm. And I was torn um, between, you know, I was in the School of Architecture and fortunately RISD, of all the schools, RISD really appreciated the value of a beautiful drawing. Yeah. I mean, you had to have a good design, but if beautiful drawing could make up for a lot of flaws. Okay. And um, that really worked in my, I went to school with, again, lucky, some incredible architects. I mean, architects who have been on the cover of um, Architectural Digest, you know, the magnificent people, and um, you know, it was it was the perfect experience for me. I certainly I met my husband there, but when it came time to graduate and think about what I wanted to do, I knew I couldn't afford to live the way I wanted to live in New York City. Okay. So it made a lot of sense to come to Boston, and then I, you know, was lucky. I sort of stepped right into a job 
yeah. and did that for a few years, always intending to paint again. Now, what was your, in your undergrad, what was your major uh, preferred medium? Painting. 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 I was an oil painter for sure. Okay. And I really, <laughs> as things go, I really hit my stride that last year. Yeah. Uh, I always feel like people give you compliments too late. I, you know, it was like, it was my last year that I sort of really hit my stride and got some recognition. And I kept thinking, why now? Why not last year? Because yeah. then I could have figured something out. So, so you, know, you know, has the school changed at all as insofar as helping people realize this is, you know, these are the steps to get yourself out there as a career artist? Some schools, yeah, yeah. I think some schools have. Yeah. I think that um, certainly in Boston, mm -hmm. you know, I know a lot of, of Bostonians go to Mass College of Art and I can see, and also like Leslie has a great art program and I can see those undergrads and grad students showing up and sort of entering shows like, oh. as you know, I'm a member at Cambridge, Cambridge Art Association and I, I, we really encourage that. And I think then you have the opportunity forget about a class where they give you, I mean, we took professional practice. Um, it's very different than the professional practice I would teach, right? But I, you know what I try to do? I try to see someone who seems to love art and I tell them. Yeah. And I, I hope that they will ask questions. I mean, I think that's the best advice you can give to someone who's, you know, when they say, what would you say to yourself if you could go back in time? Right. I would say to myself, yes, you can go find, yeah. A few artists you admire and figure out how they're doing it. Right. Because it's not a secret. I mean, there is a way to make a life as an artist. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. I talked I talked to Rose Franson one time. I mean, who's yeah. made it bigger than she has? And um, she said, you know, you have to live a simpler life. She said, people have so many things that are costs today. Mm -hmm. She said, well, if someone wants to be an artist, decide that you're going to live someplace where the rent is cheap. You can make the same art in, you know, Maquoketa, Iowa, as you can in New York City. And I think that's sort of where it begins, is showing people that yeah. the choices are there. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Very good. So, um, so how long did you stay in architecture? And while you were in that, were you out doing any of your painting on the, the side at no. home? Or? No. Absolutely. No. Wow. It's, I And, you know, life... Mm, life does go by fast, doesn't it? Um, I had taken my paints when I was at RISD and put them into a, a cake tin, the kind that, you know, brides put their topper, cake topper in, yeah. that sort of big, heavy. And I had just piled my paints in there. And then um, a couple of architects I knew who were a little older than me, uh, retired actually and started watercolor painting and they we would talk and they'd say margaret you have to paint again because yeah. they had seen my paintings from you know a gazillion years ago oh, nice. and i just got sort of trapped into a friend saying i'm going up to maine to paint you should come we'll stay with a friend of mine on shabig island and i thought hey. oh no, yeah. no, really. My stepfather had a house on Shebeg Island. Is no it? kidding. Yes. It's a tiny, tiny place, right? Oh, it's not big. No, no. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. That's so fun. That okay. funny. So, so you went and painted. I did, except the friend who was introducing me, you know, we were going to stay with her friend, yeah. Susan. And uh, my friend ended up catching her heel 
on, this is a true story, oh. on a grate in New York City, in the middle of the street, and falling and like breaking her whatever. Oh. She, she broke something terrible in her back. Anyway, oh she's healed, God. she's fine. But I was in the position of being a guest of someone I didn't know, doing something I hadn't done in 30 years. Oh, no. Oh. And so I called the woman up and I said, look, you don't have to host me. This is ridiculous. And oh, she insisted. And it was the best thing I ever did yeah. because I didn't know anyone else that was in this little workshop. And I had my tin of paints. And this sounds so ridiculous and over-romanticized, but I promise you <laughs> through i was scared to death i wanted to do well yeah because you know and i opened up that tin i had to pry its rusty top off but as i unscrewed my tubes of paint using you know the tool you use for to eat a lobster claw oh, yeah, <laughs> that, that nut the oh. nutcrackers and when i smelled the paints i literally oh a bird just flew into my window oh, oh. I heard that. Did you? Well, he flew, he flew off. There's a good sign. Anyway, um, I unscrewed those tops and the smell of the oil paint, I literally like, kind of whispered, you know, hello, <laughs> remember me? <laughs> because I couldn't believe that I had paint from 30 years ago that was still pliable. Right. And it was great. And, and I did pull a decent painting that day. Yeah. But... Yeah, it was a trip. I mean, I went into Utrecht before mm -hmm. Blick bought Utrecht yeah. to get some supplies. And I I remember the two kids that were there. One was totally covered in tats, you know, just like the sleeves, everything, engaged ears. And the other was this girl who was like, whoo, out of it. And I finally had to go up to them and I said, okay, you have to help me. I said, you guys don't use turpentine anymore? And they just stared at me and they were like, oh. And, and the boy with the tattoos was like, come with me, ma'am. And I thought, this is And he handed me Gamsol. And he said, this is what we use now. Welcome and, to the 21st century. Like, okay. By the time I left, I probably, you know, spent a gazillion dollars. And as I left, yeah. they're waving goodbye to me saying, have fun in Maine, Margaret. And I thought, oh, my new friends, you know, thank you. Thank you all. Um, but they did, they did set me straight. I had everything I needed. And although I was mortified that day with my French easel, right, that's what I had. Okay. painting plein air. Yeah. I pulled out my old French easel and set it up. But <laughs> I'm telling you, it was like somebody threw a match on to, you know, dry tinder. I was so fired up. I came home so excited. And one of the most motivating things for me um, in that short period of time was one of my daughters said to me, I have never seen you so excited. And I thought, oh, you know, our, our children need to see us do what we love. Like, I felt like that was so important. Yeah. I had a whole new view on things. So long story to yeah. say it, it had been 30 some odd years. And wow. I just never looked back. I became crazed to make up for lost time. Nice. Now, that, that way I felt. I love it. Were you plein air painting in college? You must have been. Oh, God, no. Oh, no. <clears throat> but you had no. 
Okay. So, you, you know, I had a very traditional um, BFA where we did, I, I don't know if this is the way they still do it now, frankly, but I think it was after your sophomore year, you declared your major before then freshman year was a lot of foundation work. Mm -hmm. um, fortunately for me, um, it was a ton of figure work. Okay. which is probably if push came to, I mean, I wish that buyers collectors all wanted to buy, you know, figure paintings, but they don't. Um, <laughs> and my walls, uh, yeah, I've got drawers of them, but it is the thing that I think um, informs my art more than anything else. And that was the most important. And we did printmaking, we did sculpture, you know, all of it, but it was always painting that I was drawn to. Yeah. So at what point did you discover plein air? Well, it was probably that day in Maine. It was that, wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It. it was that day in Maine and I was overwhelmed. And I still think the thing that I find hardest about it is the, you know, not the light, but I'm always like, I feel like the fairies come and repaint my paintings. You know, you've painted it outside and you bring it in and the colors are so, the values are so different because of that bright light. And I've tried everything. I paint in the shade, I paint under an umbrella. I'll paint without those things. I'll paint from a screened in porch, looking out the open door. Yeah. Um, I'm also, you know, maybe it's because I'm not 22, but I don't like to be absolutely miserable. I think I am a fair wet, I'll paint in the cold. The cold doesn't bother me. But if I'm cold and wet, I'm pretty miserable. Yeah. There's no getting around it. So I choose to avoid those days. Yeah, of course. Last week, I was in Maine, plein air painting, and um, it was cold. And we were all talking about what's, what is it that makes you paint outdoors. And I was with painters that were just so great. And I said, you know, for me, I just think, I don't care if I have to paint, you know, give me a box of coins. If I get to sit outside on a beautiful day um, and paint, I, fine, I'll paint that. I don't care. Yeah. You know, everybody's worried about a location. And I think, are you kidding? You get to paint outside. Look at the color of the sky. Who cares? Yeah. I, I don't know that I'll ever be um, strict. I could never be strictly a plein air painter. But I do love that, you know, what we do allows us, I always feel like it's going fishing. Everybody always says, you know, do you get anything? Do you get anything? Yes. And I think well, some days I do, some days I don't. So I'm still happy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's great. So, so you go, what kind of scenes do you do when you go out? Um, <clears throat> let's see. People think that because I spent so much time in the world of architecture that I would want to paint buildings but you know when you've spent so much time drawing them you really don't care to count windows or sad how sashed is so i don't mind a little bit of the building i like to paint um places that mean something to me yeah. for the most part that's sort of what i'm drawn to i i will pretty much paint anything um not so much water i would say I give me, a, but then again, in our family, we always have a conversation. You're either an ocean person or a mountain person. Ah. And we are so divided here. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love a good time at the ocean. Um, but if I can 
sleep in the mountains. I'm really happy. I love the cold air. I love the snap. Oh, nice. the, you know, I love, I love the geographical prominence of mountains or even a big hill will do it. And I, I do love to paint that. But again, you can tell there's like an emotional connection, right? These are places I love. Yeah, yeah. If I'm in Vermont, I'm as happy as a clam. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. And how do you like, are you the kind that gets all the gear and hikes out into a wilderness area? Are you that kind? Oh, you know, don't I love those fantasies? Yeah. <laughs> no, there will be no hell of painting for me. Um, <laughs> you know, I feel like, uh, I don't want to spend that much time getting there. Yeah. So, because I, I see some, I mean, I can go literally walk down the back of my hill here. Mm -hmm. And and I also don't mind painting the same things over and over in different light and different weather. Yeah. I like that. So, no, I'm not a big hiker. I, I have spent more money trying, I could give a class on finding the lightest plein air setup. I have <laughs> If I haven't bought them and I see somebody that has it, I will sort of zoom in on them saying, oh, I see you have the XYZ easel. Do you mind if I feel it? Do you mind if I test the weight of it? How does this work? I just, I, last week I was lucky enough to be up in Maine and I was with Colin Page, who is a great painter. Oh, wow. Probably my favorite painter, living painter right now. Like I'm just, yeah. his color. Oof. And I said to him, he was like, well, Margaret, what do you want? What are you trying to figure out? I said, I want the lightest plein air setup. Like, Colin, let's, let's winnow this down. I'm always throwing one more tube into the, the bucket, as it were. I'm like, on my way out of the house with a reduced palette, you know, maybe I'll only have seven tubes of paint. This is great. A warm and a cool of each of the primaries and white. I'm going to be all set. And then on the way out, I'm grab throwing in a viridian and I'll need a transparent brown. And I, oh, I should bring a cadmium. And then the next thing I know, I've got the heaviest pack in the world. So no, yeah. I, I'm not good at that business. Uh, I'm, yeah, I feel like I'm old and broken. I'm not doing that. Yeah, yeah, I, um, <clears throat> I, don't do, I, have, I don't do much plein air and I need to do more. That's definitely, you know, what everyone says, get out there, get out there. <laughs> so I think I'm going to call myself the stay at home plein air painter and just like literally go out the back door and just, yeah. like you said, over and over scenes that, you know, paint the neighborhood, you know, the trees, the woods, the, just to get out. You know, I saw, I'm trying to think of this woman's name and it's escaping me, unfortunately, but I saw a painter. I actually have a table here that her husband made and you at that time could purchase this folds down this tall table yeah <laughs> never mind that i've got it filled with stuff <laughs> it's nice and organized though <laughs> yeah. she took that painter out that that table out into her backyard okay. and she would toss a tablecloth over it and set up a still life uh -huh. and you know it's taller than your average table so it'd be closer to your eye height if you were standing at an easel so she would set up like a beautiful still life whatever she wanted i remember a teapot being part of it and then paint it in the plein air light mm -hmm. because then she was getting these beautiful colors and you can imagine the shadows and the highlights and also um there's that freshness to it because it's not you know set up in the studio under fixed lights and and time sensitive you know what i love about plein air you have to stop yeah yeah there's, you know 
you don't go forever. Right. And that's the best. So that's one of the things I would like to try this fall. Yeah. It's kind of just, you know, making it easier on yourself, but using some of those cha- same challenges. Right. You know, the light's changing, the temperature's changing. Right. Fun. Yeah, I mean, my problem is it's always a matter of time. Like I might have maximum three hours round trip. Well, to load the car, to find a place, to get it out, to come back, not going to happen. But, you know, the neighborhood would work. So, Well, the neighborhood works. The other thing, you know, this blew me away last week. Um, My studio mate was with us in Maine Painting, and um, her name is Megan Weeks. Megan can cover a 16 by 20 so fast. Like I'd be there on my, you know, smaller little panels doing my thing, yeah. walk over to Megan's and think, how did, how did you lay that all in? And, you know, and then we made jokes about like slow painters, me, and fast painters, Megan. And Megan said, I've been plein air painting since I was a kid. And she's like, you got to get it in or it's gone. And I thought, maybe I'm never going to do those big um, there. Yeah, I think it's a personality and a yeah. skill set I don't have. Yeah, well, I agree. I'm a slow, I tend to be a slow painter myself, but um, I definitely want to do something along the lines of a speed painting, you know, for like 30 days. But what is your process when you go out? Do you sketch in? Are you, you know, what? Yeah. Sorry. Well, these days I've been, I actually made a commitment last winter to work. I wanted to develop a series. You know, there's like, there's this whole progression, I think you know, if you're, especially if you're returning to painting, you try to get your chops back. You're trying to figure out the materials clearly. You're trying to figure out what it is you want to paint. And for me, I sort of went through all that. I, I did like the 30 and 30 challenges, yeah, just like everyone else, right? And I, so you had to make those simple because I was working and I'd have to do a painting a night. So I'd go to the smaller format and I would do, you know, one object, but what great practice. I mean, as anybody who's done that knows, right. you start to get, you learn an economy of stroke, you learn to see your values fast because you're trying to get it finished and posted so you can go to bed. Yeah. I would, I'd be racing that, that <laughs> clock. And um, I went through that. Now, you know, if I'm plein air painting, I'm a big, unlike some people, um, I'm a strong believer for me, there's a few this is like learning to play golf. There's a few phrases I keep in my head. So the first thing I always have to remind myself is not, not to name the object, you know, paint the shape. Don't, don't say I'm painting the the boat over there. Okay. But I have to always struggle with, you know, what is the, what is the shape? How does that look? So I think I, sometimes I'll do thumbnails. Oftentimes I won't. Um, But I kind of figure out what the shapes are and I try to get my values in. If I can get, if I'm disciplined enough and I'm not distracted, like, you know, a golden retriever, bird, 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 if I can actually see what I'm, what I'm going for, that's how, that's the most successful paintings for me. And since I started this series this winter, it's been very much, um, I don't want to say it's environmentally based. It is a little bit, but I've been painting, um, pieces of outdoor scenes as opposed to the whole scene. I've kind of, I've brought the focus in really close. And so what I do now is I'll go out with a small panel, like I'll even do a five by seven, really tiny, and I'll choose what I want. 
And if I can get my darks in, I'm now loving bringing those into the studio and making a bigger painting. And a lot of times the big painting is not, in fact, it's never just one of those small ones. It's like I'll have eight of those small ones and a sketchbook that I use to kind of figure out what it is I want in this painting. So that's been a real change for me and I'm really enjoying it because I get that outdoor time that I crave after years of working indoors. It's like, it's like drinking water to me. Like you're just so thirsty, like outside. But then I bring it in and it, so I never have that deadline of this is a painting I have to finish because I want to post it and sell it. And in fact, that's been a huge change for me. Yeah. Is that I have, I've posted very little of this series because I kind of have this desire to keep it close to me until I feel like I've said everything I want to say. Yeah. So I, during this photography session, it's probably, I don't know, maybe eight of them up on the wall and they're big. And um, I'm almost there and maybe I'll post them. But I keep thinking, why would I want to show all of that to the world before I've, it's like an incomplete sentence. I want to finish the sentence and know that I've put a punctuation mark on the end. Okay. Uh, That's kind of lyrical, but (laughs) that's the way I feel about it. Now, have you done that before with other series or just this one? You know, um, probably the only other time I've ever done that was when I was 22. Mm. Sort of, you had to do your year end thesis and just sort of, I went into the studio and basically didn't come out for three months or so, but I did my best work. And it's interesting to me because you know, it's sort of like you'll recognize, you know how you recognize a, a, a perfume when someone walks by yeah. and you think, oh, I know that. My mother wore that. Well, it's the same sort of thing. Like I'll be painting the series and I think, I know this feeling. Uh-huh. And then I kind of recognize it from all those years ago. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's the first time in a long time I felt like I had something, a cohesive group of work right. that I can look at and they're not one-offs. And I think that's because I made an important switch about a year and a half ago. I don't know where it came from, like just an idea in my head. I decided I wanted a studio outside of my home. And I've got a pretty good sized studio here at home. But I just, I had, I think it was all the distractions. And I I went in town Mm. and I was, you know, fortunate. I was able to find someone who needed a studio mate. And then she left and I knew just who I was hoping would come in. And it was Megan. Um, And now I go in there. Man, there's something about having that huge blank wall Mm -hmm. and the ability to fill it with large paintings. Wow. It's really been good for me. Nice, nice. I like that. And I do like the idea of an outside of the home space. Um, Yeah, the distractions can be huge. I mean, it's overwhelming, right? Like you think about it. uh, It's it's a huge luxury. I cannot lie. And when I sell a painting, I now think, Yes, I covered rent through the end of the year, right? Like I'll, I'll look at it, and and it's so funny because that's the way I see my sales now. I've like changed my focus. If and you know what a what a lark, you know. I mean, who who can ever say they've made enough 
enough money. What is that? I just want to be able to cover the cost of my studio. That is my goal. Yeah. And that's, yeah. And then to keep painting. Yeah. So, you know, often uh, getting into the distraction bit a little bit, I mean, oh. sometimes for myself, I, I can find a lot of distractions because there's this mounting fear that why paint it's going to be terrible, blah, 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 all those negative things that come in. And I, so I think that having something outside, this is my thinking because I've never done it yet, but I'm looking forward to the day I can. I think that would minimize that. Am I right? Would that help to cut down some of that? <laughs> uh, it is night and day. And, and I've been doing it now for a year and a half, but I have to tell you that <clears throat> there are days when I know things have to be done here. Yeah. You know, whether it's, I really need to pay those bills or, let me get the dishes out of the sink before I leave. You know, years and years ago, I remember seeing a mom who had four kids. I had three. And she was so organized. And I said to her, what's the secret? And she said, you have to know what's for dinner every morning by breakfast. And she said, and ideally, you know, you've got it set up so that if you get in like late, you can do that. Yeah. And I swear to you, that applies to me now. As yeah. long, and of course, with just my husband and I home now, it's a lot easier. But as long as I know what we're going to do for dinner right. in my head, I feel like really is the rest of it, is any of it that important? Yeah. I mean, the laundry will be there. I can toss it on at night. Right. There, there's, you know, I can pay bills another time. Like, so for me, it's easy to think there are things that need to be done. The most important thing in my life is get the dogs out and back in and then, and then walk out that front door. Yeah. Because once you get into a studio, particularly I've got like a, on a good day, a 10 minute drive. But um, once you get into your studio space, it's your, it's your only task. And I feel like even if I don't feel like approaching the easel for whatever reason, it's just, you know, mm, I've got all of my great books there. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can open up, you know, any one of them. I could, we have a magazine here in Boston, you know, art scope. I can flip through that and get fired up because I see someone else's success or what they're doing. And I think, yeah, yeah. And at the end of the day, even I know the, only way to be a better painter is to paint. Mm -hmm. right. That's it. There's a lot. People think there's a million solutions to that. Um, at the end of the day, if, if what you want to do is paint, just paint. Yeah. And, and do you have anything that helps you through a, a block? Like do you just maybe get stuck? And do you have a secret weapon you pull out? Okay, this is going to get me through it. What do you do? Yeah, I sure do. <laughs> It takes me 15 minutes to drive over to the MFA. Okay. Ah. <laughs> and all I have to do, um, and you know, I have a member card so I can park in the lot and it's not going to break the bank. I, there's plenty of meters too for anyone in the Boston area. It, and I have missed this so much during the shutdown. Yeah. It's been really hard because the, the ability to go over, and I, I'll tell you, this is another trick. Let me give you a trick, a tip for anyone who has children. Yeah. Do not take them to the museum and spend a day of it. I hear people yeah. say that and I think, are you yeah. crazy? Yeah. Like, kids can't do that, I can't do that. 
I would say, you know, with kids, here's what I used to do with my kids. We'd go to the MFA. They'd put up with it if my son, if we would look at sarcophaguses or Japanese swords, he was in. The girls, <laughs> the girls weren't all that interested, but we could usually find something that they'd like to look at. Yeah. Um, you spend more, no more than a half an hour looking. Yeah. Everybody goes into the gift shop and can choose one postcard. And on the way home, you either hit up, you know, a Happy Meal or an ice cream cone or whatever, right. but you make it so that there's like a nice transition. Now we're spoiled, you know, 15 mm -hmm. minutes from Boston. If I go to the Isabella Stewart Gardner, if I time it right, I can usually get a parking space right in front. Oh. And, you know, these are the things that I think make all the difference. I never try to see more than one room at the MFA. And, you know, I'm going to be the person that says, yep, I go right to that big sergeant. Everyone who's been to the MFA knows it's, I can't even remember the title now, you know, the daughters and the, the, the two beautiful urns. And you can sit there and look at it, or you can walk around and look at, you know, any number of other painters who were his contemporaries. In and out, just feed your soul. It absolutely, even if all I do is try to figure out how technically a painter that I'm looking at did something. I'll get right in there. You know, you can always tell the, the person who's an artist, right? They're, they're looking at the painting and then they're walking up to it and they're like two inches away and they look from the side and they're like, oh, I bet. Yeah. Or, you know, if you want to learn how to paint hands, go look at what Sargent did and then just relax people. If, you know, when I see someone who's drawing in cuticles, ooh, take a look. <laughs> Take a look at how the, the people who really, really knew how to do it. Yeah. And, 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 you know, if you can't go to a museum, I've got a, more books than should be legal. And I can, <laughs> it's, it's, it's wrong. Um, but I love looking at those. And that'll, so those things will fire me up immediately more than anything else. Yeah, that big painting you're referring to is phenomenal. And to me, what's oh. so amazing about it is it, it's, it's like two different styles within the same painting. When you look up at the features of the face, they're these beautiful, smooth, you know, photographic looking painting. And then he's got those big, bold brush strokes as well in there that he's just so famous for. And I was like, it's just beautiful. Here it is. It's the daughters of Edward Darley Boyd. Yeah. yeah. That, is, that is it. Yeah, so 1882, and we're all still trying to figure out how to do it, right? And then, honestly, if you want to get fired up about watercolors, you just sort of go around the corner and look at the Sargent watercolors. I know. And, you know, we have the, uh, the Harvard Museums here, which, you know, you can see so much of, you know, sort of the, the studies, and oh, those look at, I mean, I just... Yeah, I guess that's why I'm always going to have to live near a city. Yeah, right. <laughs> one way or another. It is one of the real pleasures of my life anyway. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's yeah. great to be that close is amazing. So um, let's move on to a little bit to marketing and media. And do you, you know, when you do that, do you do that in your studio outside of your home? Your studio, you're laughing. Your studio inside your home? How well. Do work? Do you have a special day, one day a week? <laughs> I am like the worst person. Um, you know, I have a website I haven't touched in so long. It is just humiliating. <laughs> humiliating. 
here's what happens. I, <clears throat> I know all of the right answers. Yeah. Because certainly having done artists helping artists, we researched, you know, the daylights out of this. Yeah. And so if anybody asks me a question, I can answer it. But, you know, the cobbler's children go barefoot. <laughs> and the truth is, I have to tell you, I really feel like I'm like breaking some sacred covenant by admitting this. I just, I'm over it for a little while now. Yeah. I love Instagram. And if it wasn't for the fact that I've got this, you know, kind of personal uh, holding my paintings close to my chest is, is as close as I can get to explaining the way I feel about what I'm working on now, where I'm not really showing it to the world. But I will show certain things on Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, I think Instagram, you know, if, if anyone who's watched The Social Dilemma on Netflix is now like flipped out over... I haven't what, it yet, but I for, yeah. It's oh, what, what, what Facebook knows about us is terrifying. Oh, boy. You know, it makes you want to unplug your Alexa and get off of Facebook and all the rest of this. At the end of the day, I'm way too lazy to do any of those things. What I do do is I keep promising myself that I will update my website. I don't know. Will I? We'll have to see. Um, in the meantime, I'm perfectly happy posting on Instagram. Yeah. And and I like the feedback that I get. I I really enjoy some of the interactions. Yeah. I mean, not the ones that come from strange men with yes. followers that say hi. <laughs> <laughs> when I see those, I go, block. Yeah. Um, but but you know, you meet you do sort of, isn't it weird? We meet people yeah. virtually. And I, there are artists I have never met who I feel as if I know really well. Right. Because we'll talk about things and, and that's really fun. But my media, my, here's what I'm down to. I'm just going to be really transparent here. Yeah. <laughs> after, all those, after all those years of telling everyone what they should do, I know <laughs> what you should do. I know what I should do. But at the end of the day, if I have to choose between doing that and painting, I want to paint. Yeah. And um, in terms of selling my art, you know, I was always able to, with small painting sales, cover my rent because where I am, there's a big open studio night and first Fridays and so was Sundays. Well, those are gone. Okay. Yeah. And I don't miss them. I'm not about to let a lot of strangers, frankly, into my studio. I am, I am over 50. I might even be over 60 now, <laughs> but it's okay with me to say we're just this just isn't the year for that. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I am a big one for protecting ourselves as much as we can. And just because my studio is there um, doesn't mean it has to be open. And we, uh, if anybody wants to knock, uh, that's fine. But um, I post on Instagram and that's about it. I'm, I'm a member of the Copley Society, okay. you know, which was a big deal for me when I was accepted. And yeah. the Copley Society has been very good to me. Um, in terms of sales, it's done precisely what I needed to do. And I feel like my kind of style of art lends itself to the person who's in, in there looking to buy art. Um, and even virtually online, it's been okay. I mean, it's not like it was a year ago, but it's okay. Yeah. You know, we all have to accept that this, this year, everything is different and it's going to be different until next summer, right. probably. And that's, 
I'm, I take the long view on that. And I look at my savings account and I'm like, all right, I think we're going to make it. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah. I know I could do a lot better. Yeah. Well, what about, um, you had a residency or something that, that got I did. Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> oh, Laura. Tell us about that. Well, um, I was thrilled to get a two-week residency um, on Nantucket. And I was scheduled to go over on Friday, March the 13th. <gasps> yep. Now, Nantucket is isolated to begin with. Yeah. A little bit. Uh, and so I called on the 12th because I had just, um, I had gotten a booster. I forget what it was like, a, a tetanus and pertussis booster the day before um, because I have a daughter who was having a baby and they want you to have these things. So, okay, got the booster on Wednesday. On Thursday, I was feeling odd. Oh, okay. Well, what were my symptoms? I had a low-grade fever, chills. <laughs> And so I called Nantucket and said, I think it's the booster, but everything I'm reading says this could be COVID. Oh, no. and, and they weren't really like, oh, well, there's no COVID here. I'm sure it's fine. Yeah. And, Do you want to just delay and come on Monday? And I said, I think that would be smart. Okay. Well, on Monday I called and I said, so I guess we're done, huh? <laughs> By then they were like, the door, I mean, the Nantucket Island, doors closed. Yeah. Everybody behind their shutters saying, oh, oh my sense. gosh keep those, those, you know, flatlanders or whatever they want to call us in the mainland, those mainlanders, keep them away. Yeah. And so we postponed it, postponed it, postponed it. And then they called and said, listen, you know, there's virtually, they had very little COVID there, except when all the tourists came, but they said, um, do you want to come? We have an opening. And since you don't have to fly, would you like to come the first two weeks in July? And I thought, gee, first two weeks in July on Nantucket Island. I think I could handle it. <laughs> and so I was like a dream come true. Oh, oh, nice. You know, I had a lovely little apartment and a studio and I spent a ton of time yeah. um, outside. I did, of course, you know, I finished telling you I don't pay the water much. I did during those two weeks. But um, I have to say, now, of course, I want another residency because there's nothing like, you know, getting your first bite of something delicious. I want another one, but I want the one where they, you know, leave food. I find it ironic when I was in architecture school. Yeah. Here's full circle. When I was in architecture school, your last year, you do your thesis. What's your project going to be? I decided to do an artist's colony. Oh. But I was going to, I based it on a building that I knew and loved. Um, in the Hudson River Valley. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I needed to do research. So I went up to the McDowell colony. I contacted them and they let me crawl all over there and look at it. <laughs> and now my fantasy is I want to go to McDowell and I want someone to leave my breakfast on the porch every morning. <laughs> oh, wow. wow. So maybe when I'm 80, who knows if I can stay on a roll. Mm. Yeah, I think that would be heaven. Take away the bit where you have to you know, hunt for your own food. <laughs> I, like, let's just take every responsibility away from the artist and say, here, just yeah. create. You know what I did when I, I, I will share this, when I was on Nantucket, I wasn't sure what the climate would be, not literally, but in terms of COVID and how things were going. So I did line up models to come and I had models um, 
I guess I had them four afternoons a week for both weeks. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you, for me to have a model all to myself. Wow. I mean, I'm usually in a room with a lot of other people when yep. there's a model. So that was heaven. Wow. And yeah, I think that is the most beneficial thing I can do for my art. Yeah, you mentioned that. And um, are you part of a group there in, in Cambridge that does, has a... Um... I, well, again, COVID, but um, Cambridge Art Association, it, that was the reason I joined it. Now I'm on the board. I'm actually the vice president. Who knew? <laughs> Stop saying yes. But anyway, I, uh, I discovered, I liked Cambridge. The Cam it's a beautiful little setting. On Sunday mornings, there was a figure, you know, oh. session you could go and... It, for some reason, it was like, you know, the, the gods were on my side. I would go and the sun would be streaming in. You know, I'd pick up a cup of coffee and, and I'd sit down. And in Cambridge, the models that you get are often dancers or yoga, either aficionados or yoga instructors. Mm -hmm. um, and so you'd have these incredible men and women with the ability to hold the most... Mm. difficult poses and I remember so many Sundays just thinking this is heaven yeah wow. just that was my week yeah forward to those days again I'm sure yes yes I don't even know where I mean I don't even know how to find a model right now I guess I wouldn't yeah. because of we have rising numbers here in Boston I, I know yeah my sister's in Beverly I just heard oh yeah Oh boy. Not yep. What about um, workshops? I know I've heard you say, um, I think you got into Colin's lottery once, right? I did. I did. Um, yeah. I have to say it again. Boy, what a special painter. If anyone listens to this and they don't know his work, it's really, it's not only worth looking at what's posted, but if you're ever in Maine, yeah. his gallery, you know, he's, he made the decision talk about a leap of faith yeah. to open his own gallery. And I love not only seeing his work, which he's got, seems like 48 by 60 is very common for this man. Wow. Um, and so they're becoming like allegorical, like this wonderful, like you can imagine a story when you look at them, they're beautiful. Um, but he, the, the other artists he has in there, do you know, that's where you see an artist's eye, right? Who do they collect? Whose work do they love? Yeah. And being able to see, there's a woman who does um, etchings that I just, you know, these small etchings that I just fall into. If I had, you know, $10,000, <laughs> I'd spend it all up there. I'd be in trouble because so much Peggy Kroll Roberts, he's got a lot of her work. Okay. It's like a little education. So yes, um, I do do workshops for two reasons. Yeah. One is because if someone has something that I'm trying to figure out, I really feel like I don't have time to waste. Mm -hmm. So um, this year I went to a workshop. I've been watching her for a while, Kathy Anderson. Oh. And um, I really, I wanted to sort of figure out how she did some of the things I'm trying to do. And it was great. It was a very, very, very small workshop. Wow. Because of COVID. Yeah, and uh, we did it at the land. She was doing it at the Land Grove Inn, and I called, and they had no, like next to no one there. You know, they they passed my test when I asked about you know how are you serving and how are you. Uh, 
They're probably thinking, oh God, Margaret, stay home. But it was great because I was able to get like right up close, kind of like those paintings at the MFA. I was able to watch how she did it and ask a lot of questions and it was really inspiring to me. So I do do workshops when I'm trying to figure something out. And then I do workshops because I just love being in the company of other painters and um I'll do it once a year. Well, you know, Land Grove Inn is near and dear to my heart. It's the first workshop I ever did after I quit my job. Okay. I decided I needed, if I was going to quit my job to paint, I better have something like to get me going. <laughs> and I literally Googled oil painting workshops in New England because I didn't want to spend any money to fly. Yeah. And I thought, oh, I don't know, going to an inn. I don't want people talking to me. It was great. After that, it's like now my yearly, you know, track up there. But I think workshops can answer a lot of questions. I think workshops with the right teachers build a lot of confidence. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm very fussy about whose opinion I take. Mm -hmm. Like, I I don't teach mostly because I'm I'm busy painting. Um, But I have taught one-on-one a few times and really enjoyed it and I think what I discovered um it's interesting Laura what I think I discovered is that I am a very good critic if but I don't give my opinion unless someone asks Mm -hmm. right because I don't want to hear everyone's opinion of my work so like you know if 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 I don't really if I don't I don't want to say if I don't, I guess I have to say it. If I don't really respect that person's work or sometimes I think you can have someone who's not a great painter, but is a great critic yeah. because I've, I've heard, you know, feedback that is really spot on. And I love that. Mm-hmm. But I think you have to be careful about having too many voices in your head. I will say that, which is why I think I'm choosy about who I ask for opinions of. Right. Right. Nice. And how do you find the teachers that you want to go study with? Is this mostly online? Uh, or word of mouth? I look at their work. Okay. It's all about me looking at their work. I mean, sometimes I guess I'll look, but if I, if I become obsessed with certain people, as you may have noticed, <laughs> I, um, if there's someone whose work really, it's always about, I don't have to be trying to copy them. I don't want to make it sound like that. But if I think, they've really cracked, cracked it. You know, they, they've figured out that they're doing what it is they want to do and they, they know how to get there and they're, they've got an interesting perspective, then that's the person I'll usually dig a little deeper on. Yeah. Um, I took a workshop probably, I took a lot of workshops too early, but it's okay. Their voice is still in my head with Rose Franson. Okay. And when I studied with Rose, well, first of all, she in, intimidated the living daylights out of me oh i was like huh, yeah. reminds me of being in catholic school you know, <laughs> here, here she comes i really want to do well oh my gosh here she comes and you know rose is exacting i was lucky i had heard her say that what she did not like about teaching was so often she had to correct the drawing and I thought, well, if there's one thing I can do, I can draw. Yeah. So I, I knew I'd have an accurate drawing. I kept saying that to myself, the drawing's right. But, you know, even as I could tell she was coming around, I'd be like checking. I was checking every angle, like, holy God, here she comes. Um, and 
so so the best teachers are always a little quirky i think yeah, yeah. um and maybe even a little scary because yeah. it brings out the best in you because you're so like you know your heightened senses everything's firing and you're listening and you're so that's the way it works with me anyway yeah and i learned so much from her not only from the critique i would get when she'd come to the easel but even listening to her critique other people the whole time i would be like oh that's right there is a value shift you know she always says uh things like check the temperature is it warmer is it cooler yeah. And you know, is it lighter? Is it darker? So the whole time I'm like, oh, let's see, we double check, we double check. And I think that was really thrilling for me. Like uh -huh. great teacher, great yeah. teacher. You know, would I ever be her friend? Oh, I think no, I could give nothing to this woman. She's <laughs> got, but that's what I look for. And you know, now I look for the specifics, like, do they have something that I feel like I need? Because again, I'm at the point where I'm saying I'm better off spending 20 hours in my studio. Mm. I'll grow more. Yeah. Now, I heard you talk once on um, Artists Helping Artists about, I'm probably saying it wrong, but I think it was something along the lines of a portfolio assessment. Oh, that, yes. Yeah. So tell us about that and how, how often do you partake in that? Well, again, this was an interesting year, right? COVID. Um, yeah. But I'll tell you, Cambridge Art, um, Cambridge Art Association does, I think, twice a year. I believe it's it's always been in March. This year, we set one up for um, October, I think it was, early October. And that was because for the first time it was being done online. It was a Zoom okay. portfolio review. But to my mind, all right, I'm going to tell you two things. One is that portfolio reviews are fantastic. Okay. It forces you to get your act together, get your images lined up because yeah. you're either bringing in, you know, a computer, an iPad, or, I mean, how many of us are going to bring the actual paintings in? That's a little tricky. Yeah. But what we would do is, um, I guess I've done three of them. You can get up to three people. It's 20 minutes each. You pay. Um, it's not a lot of money. It seems to me it was like, $60 for each reviewer, but for 20 minutes, they ask you what you're trying to get from them. Um, there are, I want to tell you the kinds of people who do portfolio reviews, because if you can't find one through an association that has, it's a ton of work to set it up, to get all the reviewers there, to get all the people, to have the space, to keep it moving. You know, there's clocks that ding and time's up. So are you, but, are you meeting with one person at a time or all? One person at a time. Like it's, oh, okay. it's, it's 1110. It's my time okay. to meet with, you know, Sarah Adams, who nice. was a curator, let's say. And you then go into the big room. There's a table. They say hello to you. You sit down. You tell them, because you've only got 20 minutes. Yeah. You tell them a tiny bit and then you show them your work. And you're either looking for feedback on the work. You're looking for suggestions. Is there someone that they think you should study with? Is there someone whose work they think you should look at? Is there someone they think you should contact in terms of um, gallery, a gallerist who might be interested in your work? That's valuable. There are gallery owners who participate as critics. Wow. So you, you get, you know, uh, the heads of major art associations okay. in New England. Um, and now with Zoom, 
it can go either even wider. And it was interesting. I did not participate in the Zoom review just because, I don't know, I had too much going on, really. The timing was off for me. I will do it again in the spring. But I got people gave me feedback that said they thought it was um, as effective as in person because they had the one-on-one -on -one contact right. with the reviewer. And they also had the ability to um, maybe like not have the distraction of having to pick their things up and go back into you know, sort of the, the bullpen, the waiting area, which yeah. turns out to have its own little subculture because artists in person <laughs> are talking to one another and sharing references or information. It's just really interesting. I mean, how often, it's like, it's like your best day in school oh. where you have teacher's appraisal all to yourself. Yeah. And, you know, for me, the first time I ever did it, I had Catherine French, who's very well known here. She was big at the Danforth. Now she's up in Vermont running a huge, you know, a catamount, I think. Uh, but she's amazing. And, and she's got years of good experience. And she said to me, do you want a harsh interview? Do you want a hard interview or a soft interview, you know, review? <laughs> and I said, well, what's the difference? And she said, well, soft, you know, I'll just tell you what I think. And she said, harsh, you know, she goes, it won't be mean, but I'll really get to it. Yeah. And, and I asked for a hybrid. Because I thought, well, you know, I don't want it to be a piece of cake. But on the other hand, yeah, let's, let's not devastate me. And she had already been to my website. And so she gave me some feedback on my website. And we looked at the work. And I'll tell you one mistake I made that I try to share with everyone, which is only show your best work. Yeah. Try to make it hang together somehow. Oh. And don't, what I did, don't throw in one piece thinking, well, this one is really different. I wonder what she'll think of that. Because what a reviewer will say is, you're not focused. What is this about? Big mistake. <laughs> Big mistake. Yeah. Yeah. If you only have five pieces that are good, just show those five pieces. And then have the confidence to talk about what you would do next. You know, I think. Yeah. I've learned. Yeah, but it sounds like such an amazing experience to have. And I had not heard of it before. Oh, it's so good. So oh, you should do it. You're not that far away. I mean, we yeah. had people come from New York to really? participate. So that's on the website yeah. of the Cambridge Art Association. Okay. Yeah. Association, and it's called the, the uh, Portfolio Review. I know the next one will be in March nice. because that's when I'm planning on participating in. But, you know, these are changing times. We are all trying to figure our way through. Yeah. So if you have to have a review and it needs to be on Zoom, that's fine. Do it. At least, at least you're not stagnant, you know, like you're, you're getting, you're getting that next push of yeah. what next. Yeah. So, nice. So, yeah. All right. We're going to ask a few questions here. What does success mean? What, what does, does what mean? Success mean for you as an Oh, well. <laughs> kind of answered it, but. <laughs> yeah. You know, if, if, if my work is continuing to improve. Mm. And that's in my eyes, because if that's all I get, that's enough. That's I want to be really clear about that. Mm -hmm. um, I would love, I mean, I think it's for me personally, I'm moving toward, you know, sort of a, a solo show or maybe, you know, a two man show. I would love something like that just because I feel like I've finally gotten to the point where 
it's like I speak a little more and I'm talking about it metaphorically. I speak a little more coherently. I finally have figured out that yeah. there's something that I want to say. Nice. Nice. Yeah. That's great. And your funniest or scariest or oh. odd plein air story. <laughs> well, let's see. I've had brushes stolen by animals. Oh, gosh. Yep. Yep. And it was painting at a farm and, you know, piglets are adorable. But let me tell you, big pigs can be moody. And I had a pig steal more than one brush. Oh, that was interesting. Right, right off the table beside me, gone. Never seen again. <laughs> like nice new rosemary brushes. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, dear. Yeah. What else? Um, you know, they're all about like the, when it's plein air painting, I don't have problems with people because I've learned like how to either engage or not engage with them. Like I can, I can walk that line, yeah. but I have real problems with the elements. Probably it, professionally, one of the weirdest things that ever happened was that I was doing AHA in an interview with, um, with an artist and, and the call dropped. And I said to Leslie, I can't decide if I want to, have him as my son or my boyfriend and, <laughs> and I just assumed he hadn't heard that and it was only recently I found out that a friend of his had been listening from far away and called him immediately to tell him that so yeah I've gotten caught there's no such thing as off mic mm. oh that's fun oh gosh I love it there. my husband loved it <laughs> All right, and your parting words of wisdom to all painters everywhere. <laughs> okay, well, oh gosh, this is so hard. I'm going to give a practical one and then a philosophical one. Okay, Number one, if you're not wearing your painting clothes when you're walking anywhere near your studio or your setup space, turn your shirt inside out immediately. <laughs> That's a good immediately. one. That had saved me. Other, I mean, yeah. Oh. And, and when I don't, I regret it. Yeah. So turn your shirt inside out. You'll be fine. And the, um, the other one is people need to understand that if, if they want to sell more paintings, they just need to paint better. That's what sells paintings. So yeah. get in there and do the work. Stop worrying about how to sell it because yeah. when it's good, it sells. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And where yeah. people see your work, uh, your, your website, Margaret. My update website. <laughs> <laughs> My very out-of-date website, oh, maybe I'll get on that, which is uh, margaretsheldon.com. Yes. Uh, my Instagram, which is much more effective, mgtsheldon. Okay. Which, which I just want everybody to know, that's how the nuns used to shorten Margaret when I was in grade school. It was MGT. So I'm mgtsheldon. And other than that, you know, the Copley Society, and if this quarantine lifts and life gets back to normal. I would love anyone who wants to to come into SOA and visit the studio because there's nothing like visiting a studio to make you decide you need one of your own. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, we'll look forward to some of those um, pictures the, of your yeah. studio and your new headshots and all that. That's right. And your new series. We'll look forward to that. Oh, yeah. Me too. <laughs> well, Laura, you know, you're close enough. You are invited down anytime. Okay. 
as long as you're masked up. Masked up for sure. Yeah. Right. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. It was lovely. Okay. If you found inspiration from today's show, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast and share it with a friend or two on social media. Also, take a moment to write a quick review on iTunes or share your takeaways from today's show on artistsofnewengland.com under today's episode. And while you're there, you'll find links to the topics mentioned in today's show. And don't forget to peruse the growing library of podcasts and resources. Thanks for listening. You got beauty to share with the world that no other human has. So get in the ring and pick up that brush.